0: Hey guys, and welcome to episode 244 of Ready Eddies Built on Passion. I'm your host, Matt Bono, and this week we're going to be featuring founder of Warren Brian Marvel. WARN is a performance sock brand that's pioneered its own proprietary fabric blend to conquer some of the common complaints that you'll get when you're active, moving around, you know, blisters, that kind of thing. We've all had a favorite pair of socks that slowly over time became saggy, loose, uncomfortable, and just an overall disappointment. When it comes to athletic performance, this isn't something that you'd normally take lightly. Your feet are a complex part of your body, and if it's not taken care of properly, can cause a lot of ailments, a lot of you know, problems over time. Posture is one of them. I always thought that was really interesting. You know, you have messed up shoes, it affects your posture, you know, you go to orthopedist. you hear it all the time. This is something that Brian recognized as something that needed to be addressed. He jumped from his career in marketing to kickstart Warren, a company that is dedicated to bridging the complexities and nuances of performance footwear with the only buffer between your shoes and your feet. I mean, if footwear is getting all this love and technology to make it really advanced and, you know, perform really well, the thing in between your foot and your footwear should do the same. For a long time, socks became a forgotten factor while performance shoes and boots get all the glory. Warren aims to create socks that are just as advanced in foot protection as the high-end footwear you find on the market today. In this episode of Ready Yeti's Built On Passion, Brian shares a bit about how he developed Warren's arrow wool, that's their proprietary fabric, some challenges that come with being a young company and how he transitioned from being immersed in the marketing world to developing a product driven brand we'll find out what that looks like either way. It was incredible chatting with Brian. I'm sure you guys will really enjoy this one as much as I did with that. I'll give you Brian Marvel founder of Warren and we are live. Brian, thank you for uh, joining me today. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. So the easy one to start off, who is Brian Marvel?
1: Oh, I don't know if that's an easy one (laughs) or not. I've been asking myself that question a lot lately. Uh, Previously, he was an ad guy on the strategy side that was trying to figure out a way to uh, bring value to clients by helping them understand their own Brands better, and therefore helping their audiences understand uh, their brands is a little, are a little bit better as well. Um, during that career, that sort of phase of my life, I found really quickly that I was deeply interested in products. And as a matter of fact, like a lot of the strategic learnings you get from audiences in advertising come down to product level insights. But in adland, you can't always go back and evolve products. But in client land or startup land, you can. So it only seemed natural to start playing around with a couple of products. And I am now on the product side, on the the brand or client side, after starting a company called Warn. And now I am a man that owns too
0: many socks. That just sounds overly prepared for me. Um, I mean, you're... You, you always worry you know you get a hole in your sock you're like oh man I need to get into more socks that you're on the other side of that problem that's the sweet spot I do not I do not have that worry <laughs> I do
1: not have that worry yes. for two reasons one uh, because the products we make are, are focused on durability and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later um, but we don't we don't really run into an issue with wear out like a lot of typical sock brands or commodity sock brands. So I don't worry about it from that extent, but at any given time, I'm in testing for like three different products. So on any given day, I'm probably wearing one generation of our product and another generation of either like a competitor or a different option. So not only are there tons of socks around the house, but I'm wearing mixed match ones like every day. Um, I think the people in the neighborhood just think I, like, I don't know how to dress myself or, or how to keep myself together. Maybe they just think it's the pandemic. I don't
0: know. Oh my God. That's incredible. That's, that is the beauty of it. I mean, something that you, you always, or one always wear socks. So you're just, whether you like it or not, you're constantly in that, uh, R and D stage. Yeah, you, you really are. Actually, that's one of my
1: favorite things about the product. I was talking to, uh, one of our designers earlier today and it was like you think of a sock as a really common thing and because it's common people tend to dismiss it but the reality is from like a design challenge if somebody's in this every day they're going to notice anything that's wrong with it and if you make a change for the right or you make a change for the wrong they also notice that uh that really quickly. So it's just interesting that that relationship we have with the product is so continuous and we'd like to think until us, you know, somewhat dismissed or looked at, or maybe looked at differently, not, not necessarily looked at under a super functional lens.
0: Yeah. So be- before we even get too far in the weeds uh, for the, I mean, I know what Warren is, but for the listener who has not uh, yet discovered you guys, what is Warren?
1: Warren is a sock company that prides itself on creating a better feature, a better fabric and a better fit for socks. And that's, I mean, that's the key takeaway of the company right there. How do you create a better sock? You break it down by those sort of three verticals that we just talked about. Uh, we started with fabrics, like a giant point of difference for us is that we don't use cotton in any of our products. Uh, we use a proprietary fabric we call arrow wool, which is a technically enhanced merino wool. Uh, it's a it's a spun fiber that, a, a lap, that attaches a technical fabric to the merino and allows it to wick a little bit faster, um, act a little bit more like a performance fiber, and then also it allows it to retain its shape. That's one of the downsides um, of some of the organic fibers. And then fit is really a byproduct of just spending more time with products and trying to actually uh, cater them more towards shoe sizes versus generic sizes. Most products in the market are size six to 12 or something like that. So naturally they don't fit very well. Uh, and then features is something we really pride ourselves on. We design the socks. Um, to be what we call occasion specific, but to a consumer, that just means like we design the socks to match the shoes you're wearing. And if you're wearing a pair of running shoes, um, you want a pair of lightweight, low impact, you know, nicely fitting socks. They're going to breathe really well and work with those shoes. If you're wearing a pair of steel toe boots, you probably want something a little bit different.
0: Yeah, no, that, that does make sense. I mean, especially for, so long like socks have existed like oh, okay they're basically just like foot gloves whatever go for it and then now as like more people are looking for an edge realizing that foot health is an extremely complex thing and can't just work the same way in every situation whether it's just standing versus running versus climbing or skiing yeah and not everybody's looking for
1: a sock that offers uh, you know, light compression, goes over calf, supports recovery, and is made out of a very specific type of fiber, et cetera. Like not everybody is going to need that, and not everybody is really that interested in it. But what we found is there's a very specific set of consumers, which is not a small set of consumers, but that is really value-oriented, and they are interested in Uh, The types of gear they buy, they're interested in its longevity. They like to do research before they go out and participate in the different sports that they uh, participate in. For them, that research is like part of the process. Like the knowledge is just something that's valuable to them. And when they match up the right piece of gear to the right situation, they can feel the performance difference. And then they feel like, Hey, I made a, I made a good decision. So they get, they get some benefit there too.
0: So what came first, the fabric or the sock? Arrow wool. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And
1: the answer is actually a variety of socks came first. We started making really technical products. Our first product was a frictionless sock to make it easier to get in and out of a wetsuit. And our second sock was another frictionless sock that made it easier to get in and out of um, fly fishing waders. They had one really specific purpose, they had one really specific benefit. And it was a really, really easy story to tell. We started to grow those products and we started to add a couple other niche products, uh, some waterproof uh, materials and uh, a couple others. And what we found was that adding those really rich features um, really supported a niche audience. Uh, And you saw a lot of adoption and a lot of product love. Um, but it also made it really, really difficult to scale, right? Because you're making a a handful of products for a handful of people, and then they're really happy with them and you can't, you know, you can't keep selling them to them. So we needed to come up with a a product that would allow us to scale or just kind of keep the business the way it was. And, you know, I was challenged by one of our team to, to identify something that, uh, we felt would offer that same level of advantage or like actual utility to a product um, that could actually hold up day-to-day, like in an everyday sock, right? And we talked about that before, like changing the design of something so simple in a way that is going to be so valuable that it's going to make me change my behavior um, was a pretty big bar. So we started out and it just turns out we were pretty lucky. Like Our background was in technical fibers, and the market, everybody in market is like, oh, you got to go get Merino. You got to go get Merino. You got to go get Merino. But if you talk to customers, they have a couple of holdups with Merino, right? Uh, and they have a couple of holdups with cotton as well. And some of the major holdups are, you know, the way it stretches, organic fibers stretch. Um, and they lose their shape over time. So even if they're they're still, you know, sort of durable, quote unquote, they roll up in your socks and they can be blisters and things like that. So that was one of the downsides. and. What we found was that when we enhanced that already naturally strong and comfortable fabric uh, with some of our technical fabrics from our history, we ended up with a new fiber uh, that was just completely different than anything we'd used in the past. And we started testing it in just some day-to-day products. And we started testing it in some work products and the feedback from consumers was like, you know, I really just, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. I didn't think it was going to be that different. And, uh, this is, this is really fantastic. When are you going to make an X or when are you going to make a Y? And that's when we knew we'd struck a, a balance. That's when we knew we'd, we'd found something
0: and we started pursuing that, that route. That's incredible. It It's a great how There's like that, um, that I, I I guess you're like, you know, testing new things, trying to, to see what works. And then you hit, you finally hit that one thing. And it happens to be that one thing that no one else is really, really doing like creating like that proprietary fabric. And then, I mean, from there, it's easy to kind of take it and run with it and go back at every other thing that's already been made and say, okay, this new fabric that we have, how can this be applied to this skiing or snowboarding? How could this be applied to obviously um, with the, the, the wetsuit socks, the waiters, you know, that as it is, is pretty, uh, pretty niche. Like I, I'm not super familiar with wetsuit or, um, waiter specific socks. So for anyone who's into that understanding how your feet kind of get caught in putting on or taking off wetsuits, it, it makes sense. It's, I wish I could sit back and say,
1: like, I set out to design this fabric and et cetera but that's not what happened. I mean, it's not even remotely close. We had a history of problem solving at my background in advertising taught me that you can't solve like a useless product with a really great brand hype. And there was no way we were going to introduce something that didn't have a point of difference. So our history just naturally led us to something that actually solved the problem. But I don't,
0: I mean, I, if we hadn't laid all that track, we'd have never got there. Oh yeah, it's it's like the the moment of serendipity. Um, and you you set yourself up to get there. How long have you guys been uh, been around for? We
1: were in beta as another brand, producing just those technical projects for probably about three years, uh, and we've been live we've been live with Warren for
0: just about fourteen months. Oh wow, you guys across the board, you're. You're fairly new. How, how has it been um, not only, I guess, breaking into an industry where there's, you know, some pretty, pretty dominated players, but introducing a new fabric, kind of going against what uh, has been established? Well, to be honest with you, uh, we've been letting the product speak mostly
1: for itself, right? Like we'll talk about the value of durability And we'll talk about the value of refit and reshape. So when you wash the socks, they go back to their original shape every time. Therefore, you have the same experience every time you take them out of your drawer. And therefore, they last longer because they don't bunch up and roll up on your feet and they don't wear through and do those other things, right? We have been allowing those sort of support points uh, and the value that they create, sort of like the byproduct of the fabric, be the story to this point. Um, it'll be interesting when we get to a point, maybe, uh, farther down the road when we, we go a little bit more against the fabric, but I, I don't know. We're just trying to take a a page out of Patagonia's book. I mean, build something really great, let people have it and let's see what happens
0: from there. Who knows? People might be hanging on to, uh, their grandfather's pair of, uh, worn socks, still perfect shape. (laughs) that would be yeah that would be fantastic yeah it seems like that one facet of a sock actually having it keep the shape stay consistent not change how it fits really also comes and just solves you solve the friction problem you solve the the blistering problem i don't know if that was a specific goal or if it like came first that you're like okay like what if the socks can just like always be fresh and you know not be losing not be doing what socks shouldn't be doing.
1: Yeah, um, and when you think about we knew we had some pretty high expectations for the fabric. And like, number one was it couldn't be cotton because in our opinion, cotton just doesn't belong against your skin. Like if you're buying cotton socks you're, you're getting cheated. And the reason for that is two different reasons. One wear out is a problem, but two just the wicking nature and its ability to breathe, uh, it is not effective against the skin, right? Which is why you wouldn't wear it as a base layer. It's why you don't wear it under your jacket when you're skiing. It's you know, it's the same reason you wouldn't put it there. Um, so we we chose merino for for that route as a as a starting place. But we also knew we needed to pass um, what merino was bringing to the market if we had any real hope of of making a point of difference. And I think that's where. Uh, the addition of the technical elements really got involved and it really started to be about changing the longevity of fit and keeping the shape and the refit and stuff like that, right? Because the first bar, we're like, yeah, we can definitely beat that. But the second bar was like, well, I don't know, Merino's pretty
0: good. <laughs> so, I mean, with that, yeah, exactly that. Merino's pretty good. Sure. There is those classic, uh, you know, it pills, And it's still somehow from Merino product to Merino product, I guess there's different blends. So everyone kind of has their own thing. Everyone there, it it seems like it's a, it could be a little all over the place. You, you guys are really honed in on socks, I guess for now, but it almost seems like you're more of a, you're like poised to be kind of bigger than that. More, more of like a fabric manufacturer. I mean, you, you made your own fabric have you thought about like um, I guess expanding into, you know, different things beyond just socks or you want to kind of stay the experts in uh, like that wheelhouse? What's, what's the uh, you know, the, the grander, the grander plan if there is one.
1: So there's two ways I want to answer that one. I, I'm not entirely sure how I can answer that because we don't want to give too much away on our, our future plans and stuff like that. But uh I, I will say it is a natural progression for a sock company to go into undergarments and base layers, right? Like, I mean, look at most of them that are doing it now. It's a supply chain element. There's a benefit there, um, but on the the opposite side of the coin, like. If we've learned anything, it's you can get too complex too fast and it becomes a real problem. So it seems like a totally natural statement to say, hey, you've got this great fabric. Let's get it into boxers or let's get it into base layers for next winter. But the reality is, if you can't make the product just perfect for the first time, the person adopts it they're not gonna use you again. And you've now got to purchase all new types of inventory. You've got a bunch of new SKUs. You've got to advertise it. You've got all these different elements. So, well, I think it's a totally natural progression. We're trying to gain permission in the hearts of customers right now. We'll give it a couple of years and see where it goes from there.
0: Yeah, that I mean, that's a really good point. The- you know, you think that you would think that. I guess you, you know, have a pioneering uh, fabric. That oh yeah, we can just apply. It. I guess it, it. You know, the way a sock is built and what fabric you're using, it's maybe not going to be perfect for X, Y, and Z too. So I mean, like the the amount of time it would take to perfect that, even beyond, you know, the shape that you have. It, that there's probably that too. That makes sense. So who is the like the perfect? person for worn socks? Who's who's meant to be wearing worn socks? We've always viewed our audience as the sort of the gear files, right? The
1: people that do a little bit more research uh, that are looking to get a really solid value and a really solid experience out of their product. We found that this is not a mentality that they apply only to their socks, right? Like this is a decision and a thought process they make um, across all the purchases that they make. And we're providing them a better choice and a better option through those fit fabrics, features, elements that we talked about before um, to bring them into the worn House. So we see um, that mindset really being the group that is our early adopter. But that said, I it's just really interesting. Like most people, if you talk to them, And I, you know, I challenge anybody to to do this at home. Like ask the person next to you, what do you think of your socks? And when they say, I don't know, ask them again, (laughs) be like, ask them one more time. Like, what do you really think of your socks? And then they're going to say, well, you know, I think that, you know, they're okay, but you know, I really don't like, and they're like, go on, tell me. And I guarantee you, they're going to have a thing that they didn't think that they should complain about, that they've known was a problem for them, be it like they get too damp or they burn out too fast or they never fit right because my left foot's a little bit bigger than my right foot or I'm a size 14 and there isn't like something that ever caters to my size because it's all made for size 11 and down or whatever it is. There's every single consumer I've talked to about this. If you ask them two plus questions, will tell you that they've had a problem with what they've already got on their feet. They just sort of thought that's as best as it was going to be.
0: And that gives us, I mean, that gives us a lot of hope. Yeah. Um, I, I know that um, I guess longevity has been uh, you know, a pretty big factor in creating Arrow wool and Warren socks in general. Is that also kind of your, your ploy, your, your attempt to, take a sustainable approach or is that just a cherry on top? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, there's a big movement
1: these days specifically uh, in fashion, because let's be honest, like fashion is really, really guilty of producing a lot of waste specifically fast fashion um, and not just waste in the form of like turnover of product, but also uh, the, Like the supply chains used to produce the product to begin with, like the inks used, the dyes used, those types of things. And when you look at the response to that, it's primarily like, oh, was it recycled or did it come from something that was quote unquote sustainable? And the reality is people are using recycled as a band-aid to the sustainable problem when oftentimes using recycled uh, fabrics and, and uh, supply elements use twice as much water as creating new elements or something like that. So in our opinion, and based in our learnings, we actually see products that are extremely well constructed and that will last longer and will not need to be replaced. Um as an ultimate step up, as an ultimate evolution in sustainability, and it's something that we we consciously strive for with with all of our designs, um, just because I mean, we live here too, right? And uh, nobody yeah. wants to live under a pile of plastic bags or Cotton socks. I don't you know, like, I just, <laughs> old smelly socks. Nobody wants.
0: No <laughs> one would want
1: to live under yeah. a pile of old smelly socks.
0: No, that's it's the one thing I've noticed with um, you know, the things that with Warren, you're trying to or have changed. It seems like you changed a couple things, and those couple things had like a tremendous effect on. So, you know, you, uh, have a longer lasting sock. Well, that's going to be a more sustainable production. That's going, you're going to get more use out of it. It's going to be, you know, more reliable because, uh, because of that, it, that, that one, by changing that one thing, it could be so much more useful in like various other ways. I mean, by keeping the fit, you know, you don't deal with the, the movement. So you're not, um, getting as many blisters it's also fundamentally being more comfortable because it's being more form. it seems like you found the like you took the thing that is adjusted it and you made it just fit better into what a sock should be
1: well that's a that's a great compliment so I, I thank you for that and yeah. I think what we tried to do is take a step back and just say what is the potential of the thing. What can the thing be and can it be improved? And if it fits better and it lasts longer, but it breathes really well, it can be all those things. And it turns out it wasn't like, it wasn't
0: ultra complicated. It's just wasn't being offered. Yeah. I, I, the industry, it became set in its ways. It's not, I mean, you, Even as like a young company, and especially for you having that, um, you know, you got got into the product development side from a different angle. So I feel like you, I guess, had the opportunity to kind of get a fresh perspective where I'm sure a lot of other people, and I know this because I've talked to a lot of people, they come from the fabric side and then get into the apparel side, whether it's, you know, X, Y, or Z, in this case, socks. I feel like having that edge does give you an opportunity to just come from it as, okay, I wear socks. Like this is something that I am familiar with because I interact with this every day. How do we take what this is and make it better without having any of the pre, uh, I guess um, the biases of already being in that industry.
1: We have seen great benefit from knowing from the get out that a brand alone was not going to help us keep customers. You can acquire customers with a brand. You keep customers with products.
0: Yeah. And I mean, as a bonus, you also know how to make a brand look appealing and sexy. That's, I mean, that not to say that that's uh that's everything because you are not wrong. I mean, if you don't have the the backing, it's not going to last. But you know, those two things, I feel like that's that's it. Um, you know, it's
1: interesting. Brand is something that we, I didn't, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we want to jump into a question about this or not. But sure. I mean, honestly, like with my background, um, I'm not sure if it made it easier or more difficult. Uh, to get our brand where we wanted it to be, to be simple and concise, to say, "Hey, here's exactly what we stand for." I think I know um, the importance of those factors, but I also want to speak to the concept of like just appreciating that when you're doing it yourself, it's it's easy to get in your head, and it's easy to get close to what you're doing, and it's easy to overthink it. And when you have you know, the right partners working with you, be they a marketing partner or uh, an internal partner that can come and say, Hey, like this is where it's valuable. And this is where the pencil goes down. Um, You know, there's a, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of positivity there and there's a lot of progress there. So yes, definitely benefit from knowing what good looks like. Um, but wasn't as easy to like get out of my own head as i would have thought
0: huh that i mean do do you have uh, other partners or is it just just you i do not have a i do
1: not have a brand partner and okay cool yeah uh, We are actively seeking a design lead, so if anybody listening is interested in the apparel space and wants to make really, really beautiful products, give me an email. Uh, (laughs) But um, yeah, we're, we're currently looking for a design lead, and I've kind of cobbled things together with freelancers and some people that have been really, really great to us because they were probably out of our price points that did us favors because they believed in the product and they thought it was a cool opportunity. Um, And we are coming into our own in a sense. And it's really great to hear from your side, from the consumer side, that you feel like it's a pretty locked up story. But transitioning from a beta project where it was totally just technical products and really niche stuff and bringing that ship around to be able to speak to a mass consumer group in a way that was still valuable was definitely a process. Yeah, I can I can see that. Definitely wasn't a first draft.
0: Yeah. It's I mean it's on that level is that something you you feel like you might always have to approach in a grassroots way? And I I use that term kind of vaguely. Um instead of just mass producing a story or like finding like really blasting it out, do you think it's more effective to kind of start small, find some actual athletes who are, you know, by trade athletes, work with them, have them help share it? Or do you just run into it and find, um, I guess, fine tune the story and then send that out. What do you think? Um, I guess is your approach with Warren specifically. Our approach right now is socks on feet. Right, like we yeah. firmly
1: believe that if we can get socks on feet, our repeat business is really, really strong. And the next question comes down to how do you get them there? And there's grassroots, there's partnerships. Um, any listeners out there that are a you know a brand that feels the same, let me know, and maybe we can partner together because. Uh, It's a great way to grow and and introduce uh, like-minded people. Um, If there's enough resources, I think you can tell that story at scale, the story of um, challenging what you expect from your socks, the story of having a better fit and a better feature and uh, a better fabric, just culminating in an overall better experience. But we haven't had the resource to do, to do it. So, so we've had to, we've, we've just stayed with the grind. Um, I would say we're probably, you know, another year or two away from that, even strategically, we experiment with Facebook marketing and different things like that. And um, it's not a cheap customer acquisition channel.
0: I, I can't, I can't freaking stand um, Facebook marketing. Not, not because it's, it's not worth it. I mean, it, it's just the, how much money you really do need to spend on Facebook ads or those kind of ads in general is really hard for a newer company. It's almost like oh. you need to have, you need to be a, high, a bigger machine. It was built for big companies. I f- just feel like it's super fucking unfair. And totally. that's the thing that irks me about it. Yeah. Totally. If you, if you're shopping on Facebook and
1: you come across a product that you've never seen before, it feels like a small brand. I would just say, you know, give them a click, go to their page and give them a look and see, because they're they're paying to be there. And, um, you know, there's a lot of promises in that industry, be they like media agencies or gurus or whoever these people are. And they come and they basically, you know, they tell founders that they're gonna get like a 3X, a 5X, you know, whatever return on media. Um, and it's crazy because these people are not liable in any sense for the money they spent. They will, you know, they'll ask for a check for, you know, all the media three, uh, like three thousand dollars or like seven thousand um, dollars, and then they'll come back and they'll they'll show, you know, four thousand dollars in revenue or something like that. And you have to make a decision real, real fast. Like, am I bleeding cash? And is this sustainable? Am I learning things that are ultra valuable that are going to make this become more efficient over time? Or like, do I just stop this? And it's, you can tell I there's obviously a little bit of frustration on my end too. And it doesn't necessarily stem from the people that are working on our behalf to try and create that success. And in any way, it stems from a strange model um, where someone can charge an entrepreneur in like a very um nascent like you're just in a very vulnerable space and those people have no accountability or responsibility if they just shoot a hole in the bottom of the boat and it's something to be aware of right like if you're considering it you really need to vet your partner and you really need to read their case studies because you know when that, when that money's spent they're just going to come back and say like no nope, people don't like your product and that's you know that's going to be it it's it's wild the uh, the content thing right now is and we could we could talk about influencers too right like you our best fit has been people that have 7 to 10,000 followers And they've been growing for a couple of years are They've been like a a semi-pro for a couple of years. They're either trying to transition to pro or it's just really something they love. And they know their shit so well that when they tell you about like the benefit of a, a drier foot on a 15 mile race, you, you believe it, you understand it, you get it. And you come away not just with a product idea, but also maybe a little bit of knowledge that like is valuable to you as a runner or a climber or something like that. Whereas when you get over a certain size, at least in our experience, you start to get people that are like, hello, so people were asking me about my tooth washing campaign. And you're like- Formula. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't think anybody asked you about that
0: yeah it becomes it becomes really formative and it's starting to become pretty obvious like what you know everyone starts at the same way like you said like the hello like people have been asking me x and like hey guys yeah it's all it's it's almost even easier to just be like hey i like this because x y i mean yeah i mean that's even we're getting deeper into the minutia of like what like these tropes and i think that um, you know, early 2010s, we had a lot of people becoming influencers make like so much money that everyone wanted to be an influencer and were willing to fake their size and growth in order to get Chase the money. And it kind of is, it's the media version of um, going over the top with marketing versus actually having a decent product. Oh yeah. I mean, um, it's, like the, is, yeah. it's like the freelance version of lying about your circulation numbers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Um, I think I think I've noticed a lot of people going away from influencers and more specifically towards basically what you were saying that um I think seven thousand to like um somewhere in the the ten thousands. So that makes sense too, because it's you know, it's the people who are following that are doing it for a more personal reason. Um, and not just like oh you're so big, half a million followers, whatever.
1: Yeah. Um, I, like If I was to give like a generalization, once you feel like you're paying for something that can't be bought, you probably are. Like if you're paying for something and you think the result is gonna be this overnight solution, like if you're paying for like this promise that uh, it just, you're probably buying something that can't actually be bought, but if you are spending money in an earnest attempt to like slowly grind the message out there, it's, it may feel a lot slower, but yeah. I personally believe consumers, you know, are, oh, sample, sample is a big part of our approach. Like in partnerships, a big part of our approach. Like we will partner oh, with no, brands I said uh,
0: sustainable, but oh, that's also, oh yeah. Yeah. Go for oh, it.
1: Sustainable. I mean, it's all about hundred percent. It's, it's all about, can you and your business continue to do whatever it is you're doing marketing wise and grow at the same time? And if you can't, yeah. if you can't, don't do it.
0: Like, don't put yourself in jeopardy. Just don't do it. You got to be a good juggler. And if you fuck it up, you're going to be wasting a lot of time. Oh, you're not just burning
1: time. But like, I don't know. Like, I, we
0: could get into a whole thing
1: like there is a market out there for people that are feeding off of entrepreneurs. Some of them are e-commerce site builders. Some of them are e-commerce marketers and agencies. Some of them are influencers. Some of them are like content press. And they're all sort of aiming to this person who's putting themselves out there and saying, I would like to create. They're all offering them the... You know, you're only this purchase or this uh, execution away from success. And, you know, it's, there's not going to be a silver bullet. I just don't think that's the case. And this is coming from mistakes that we've made, right? Like if if it's not sustainable and it's not adding value, wait until there's a period of time where it is.
0: Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, in that patience, you know, a lot can come out of having patience. Um, Whether it's like a product launch, even. Touches everything. I would say that that's one of the mistakes I've made.
1: I mean, I you constantly, you constantly want to be farther down the road than you are, right? Yeah. Part of that is because you've been working on it for a long time, and part of it's because you just want your family and your friends to understand it, and part of it's because like you know, secretly you need the recognition, uh, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, you need the, you need the progress to keep going. Um, but if you really trust the product, I believe that everything else will, will fall into place and you give yourself the opportunity to, to make mistakes in other places. So never, never rush product. Um, and have patience where you can. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I've got a lot of empathy with that. I mean, I think it's just one of those things that you learn about yourself over the process.
0: Yeah. Um, It it looks like we have time for one more question. Um, What advice would you give someone who wanted to start a business? Uh, The patience thing is a big point, but if I could go back
1: and and If I could go deeper, if I could go back and and give myself a piece of advice five years ago, I'd say, know exactly what you're trying to accomplish. Do not do things that you do not know, not necessarily what the outcome is, but that you don't know why you're doing them. And that comes from like your business model to being like, we wanna make this because it's this much better and this is why it's this much better. Like you have to know that point of difference or I'm doing this because I believe that something needs to be done in the fast fashion industry and this is the best product for it and this is why I'm doing it. Or we are testing these ads against this audience because we want to learn X. Just testing ads are just kind of going out with, just doing stuff. It's so easy to just do stuff all day and go nowhere. So really ask yourself and really, really, really spend the most time with yourself trying to answer the question like, what is it I'm doing? And you will find that you actually start crossing things off the list. (laughs) And, uh, I don't know. I've been practicing that the last year or so, and it really helped it, or it's really helped me feel a little less under that landslide of to dos. So, anyway, maybe it helps, maybe not. No,
0: that I, I think that's incredible. It's it's uh, baby steps. You know, y- you bite off more than you can chew. You try to go farther. If you don't stay, um, I guess focused in it, you know, it's it's harder to really move the needle. I think you're hundred percent right. Um, But yeah, either way, Um, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show today for anyone who's listening, who wants to find out more about Warren, maybe pick up a pair of socks themselves. Where's the best place for them to head to check you guys out. They can visit us at Warren W O R N
1: B R A N D.com. And uh, we will get them, all set up. Thank you for having me. I appreciate everyone listening. And uh, yeah, we'll chat with you soon.
0: If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready 88 podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.